You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. The spotlight was bright in New York last night for the Warriors and the Nets. But the spotlight and the attention before the game is only being outmatched by the attention being paid now to the outcome, which isn't what most people saw coming, especially before the season started. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us on the Goodyear hotline. And Sarah, we walked into a game last night in the NBA. There are a few opportunities early in the season where you look at it and say, hey, this could be a destination game. This is a watch and learn game. We can look at everything and say, what are we seeing? How are we seeing? And what does it mean? Now, it's easy to say who's not on the court as Klay Thompson still not back for the Warriors and obviously Kyrie not playing for the Nets. But you still look at the star power in this matchup and think, okay, this is a true test to acknowledge where both teams stand in the greater concept of power rankings of the NBA. And what we got was an absolute butt whooping, a 117-99 thrashing where Golden State made it look easy. The Nets looked like they had no idea how to generate offense. And for what feels like it's been a little minute since we said this, Steph Curry looked like he was clearly the best player in the NBA. So we watched this Golden State team, and I'm left to say, hey, it looks like they are back to some level of dominance. Yeah, and I think last year, of course, there were so many injuries. There was guys still out. There were a lot of question marks about the Warriors, and they still almost made the playoffs. So I guess we shouldn't be shocked, but for them to be sort of clicking and sliding back into what we saw during their dynastic run, they're number one in defense in the league. They're number two in offense in the league. The last time though that has happened, since the addition of the three-point line, it's only happened three times, and every single one of those teams went to the championship. It's early. It's very early. But we on Around the Horn yesterday were asked the question, are you taking you know, Golden State versus the Nets or the field? And Clinton Yates said 50% Golden State versus the Nets. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot of time for things to happen. I'm a lot more certain about the Golden State side of that than the Nets because what we're seeing from them is not, I think, what a lot of people said when we first decided and and came to the realization that Kyrie might not play. And that was, listen, they've still got Kevin Durant. They've still got James Harden. This is a team that didn't have all three of their big three last year very often, and it was still clicking. Well, this year it's not. And I don't know if that's because they came in believing that they were going to have all three and they and they planned for that, and now they're adjusting. They're surprisingly ninth in defensive efficiency, but last night Kevin Durant isn't effective shooting, and that's it. For whatever reason, James Harden, who's very inconsistent, we've done that throughout his career, can dominate and take over a game and also can't always be trusted to pick up the slack if somebody else is struggling. That would have been a game where Kyrie Irving would have made a huge difference, and now we start to ask the questions, Fitz, about how long it will take for them to figure out how to get this done without him. And they're reasonable questions given who they've lost to. Now, I don't want to, to sort of couch this in a, some way that makes it seem like the Nets are a failure, but expectation changes certain things about the way we view results. So when you have losses to the Warriors, that's a thrashing, the Heat and the Bulls and the Bucks. I mean, good teams beat the Nets. That's just mm-hmm. the way it's going so far. And you're a thousand percent right that that's not what we expected because of the, you know, the attention that's constantly paid to KD and the attention that's constantly paid to Harden. You can't have it both ways for both of those players and ask to get the respect that you feel you deserve when things are going well, but then not get these question marks when things aren't going well. They do have enough Hall of Fame caliber, epic, oh my God players to be able to be competitive in these games. And they just aren't. And to that end, Stephen A., who, you know, obviously is very passionate about the NBA, 
is very passionate about Kyrie Irving and his part in all of this. This is what Stephen A. said earlier on First Take. Kyrie Irving betrayed you. Flat out betrayed you. Left you hanging. And while you sitting up there getting your ass kicked last night, all right? Steph Curry sitting there shimmying and joking around, laughing on the court. They were cheering for Steph Curry in Brooklyn. From opening tap, they were chanting MVP in the Barclays Center, and it wasn't for the dude averaging 28.9 points a game for the Brooklyn Nets. It was for Steph Curry. And then you juxtapose Steph Curry compared to Kyrie Irving, and what do you have? You got Kyrie Irving, who is a showstopper. Kyrie Irving, who is a superstar talent. He is box office and can't be trusted. I actually hope Kyrie Irving gets cut. Oof. I mean, Fitz, that's the thing that sucks about this. It's, 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 it's tough enough if you're Kevin Durant. You have an off night. You know, it's kind of right around the same time everyone starts talking about how the, the Warriors won the deal when you left because they're better off. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you elected to put your faith in Kyrie Irving and a Nets team that didn't have a culture, a, a history, a guy that's not even out there playing alongside you. To have that be all the background for this game, then to struggle and lose and to open up Pandora's box of takes which is what we're getting now, not just about Kevin Durant as a player, but his decision-making. Because obviously, I think I think he's leading the league in scoring right now. He's doing a fantastic job. And yet, to Stephen A's point, Steph is the one getting MVP chance in Durant's building. You could talk about whether that's completely off-limits. I think so if you have an MVP candidate in your building. If you suck and a, and a, and a Steph, a Kobe, a Jordan comes in your building and you want to chant MVP, okay, your team sucks. But when you've got Durant out there on your side and you're chanting it, ooh, that's tough. I mean, that in Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, that's part of what the Nets were paying for when they put this roster together was to stop those sorts of moments, to to stop it being a place where you go to watch other teams and make it instead a place where you go to watch your team. And that's just that's that's not happening now. And it is funny uh, as you look at Golden State and I understand that KD going to Golden State turned it into, you know, sort of the villain. But in the world of from good guy to bad guy back to good guy, it feels like there's such a sense of. Uh, rooting for the Warriors at this point, where it felt like we had Warriors fatigue, what, 18 months ago. Now, all of a sudden, it feels like everybody's looking around. They're like, oh, Steph is so much fun to watch, and this is fun to be on this ride because the Warriors are playing effortless basketball. It's not just that they're winning. It's that they're making it look like playground basketball while they do it, which is what the best Warriors teams always did. It's just now we seem to have a different level of appreciation for it as it feels like it's sort of taking over NBA culture to watch it and just be along for the ride this year. Well, I think your point, it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's not that we didn't appreciate it before, but at some point, anybody who gets so tremendously good, so inevitably great that that you presume that they're going to make the final and win, people get tired of that. A lot of people don't like a front runner. It's fun in your own city. It's fun to watch Steph, but a lot of people wanted to see something other than Warriors Cavs over and over. And the, the the issues that the Warriors have gone through in the last few years, whether that be KD leaving and the turmoil around that, obviously injuries to Steph and Clay and others, all of that has now made this a redemptive season, which is something we never could have predicted a couple years ago, that the underdog upstart Warriors would be trying to make their way back to the top. That's a that's a storyline people can get behind. Um, and and especially as you're looking around the 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 league right now, Fitz. 
we were like I said earlier, we we're trying to figure out if if the if the Warriors are our favorite in the West. They are for me right now, but it's you know 15 games in. There are a lot of good storylines. The, the Wizards are leading the East right now. I'm not sure how sustainable that is. That team is not one I can believe in. Uh, the Bucks have gotten off to a rough start. So have the Lakers. They're facing off on ESPN tonight. The Suns, while Robert Sarver's being investigated and all of this is hanging over the yeah. franchise, are looking for a 10th straight win. They're playing the Mavs, speaking of uh, places that have been investigated before, on ESPN tonight. So there's a lot of great NBA storylines just adding to that, of course, my Bulls, which we'll talk to Jason Goff about later, and the Warriors being back in the mix the way they are is exciting. And I think there are very few NBA fans that would be in favor of a Warriors team with Steph on it that isn't competing. It's just better for the NBA when Steph is going off the way he is. I noticed Sarah didn't say – I mean, she mentioned she's not really a believer in, in the Wizards, but didn't say anything about the belief in the, the Bulls. All right, we'll get to that later. I've we, we, said we, plenty about okay, – the Bulls are is, back, is, baby, and I've said th- plenty about it. This is one of the best times of the sports calendar. 11 NBA games tonight. So, and it's 11-game Wednesday night. A lot of greatness out there that you got to be sure to check out. Don't forget, also, you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back. So are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, coming up, we're going to play a little stay or go on some stories around the sports world, including a head-scratching statement last night that you got to hear. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Sometimes when we got a busy day of smaller stories, we try to decide what to spend our time on. And that means we have to pick and choose whether we're going to stay or go. It also gives us an excuse to listen to this absolute banger of a tune. I mean, this is an all-time riff. Uh, this is an sure. all-time riff. I was just trying to remember what, you know, late 80s, early 90s movie it was featured in. I'm not finding it on the internet. If anyone's brain works the same way, where they heard this and it immediately reminded them of a scene from something like Can't Buy Me Love or something, let me know. Hit me up. At Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. You can tell us if you can help me out with that one. Let's start with Hard Knocks premiering tonight. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Hard Knocks is a preseason show, and we already saw it. Nope. There is also Hard Knocks in season about the Indianapolis Colts, and it's debuting tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, on HBO and HBO Max. Fitz, you staying or going? Oh, I am staying on this. I cannot wait for this. First of all, Hard Knocks is a delight just to see the inner workings behind uh, any, any locker room. I am stunned to see that a team was willing to do it mid in during a season. I, I mean, the level of exposure that comes from that, I, I am absolutely shooketh by it. Plus, uh, in a COVID world where we know that their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, is not vaccinated, like, I'm just curious how much we're going to find out about the conversations and what's happening behind the scenes. Like, this is intriguing to me. The COVID protocols, the strategy, all of that is interesting to me. The uh, tagline or the sort of uh, sum- summation of this episode, after a one-and-four st- start, the Colts attempt to even their record at five-and-five, yada-yada-yada, five, led by Wentz, Darius Leonard, Jonathan Taylor. They open their doors to the cameras for the pre- 
premiere episode. So we'll see how much they offer up. Obviously, there's a ton of proprietary information that they're probably not going to let the cameras take and, and air. Oh, yeah. But um, you're right. A lot of the protocols and other in-season stuff will be sort of fascinating to see. Also, I think the show needed a little bit of a change. Uh, it got a little formulaic for me in recent ones, uh, especially the writing. It is so trite that I, I literally had a segment on Spain and Company where I, I read the worst line of each episode uh, because Ooh. it was just brutal. So we'll, well see I mean, how, the, the how Leo Schreiber, way... what, he, what he's tasked with to read this time. The the awful, awful way that they barely covered a chaotic, weird year for the Raiders is why I started calling them soft knocks at the time. Yeah, so we'll see. It, it's, it can be soft knocks, that's for sure. We'll see what we get from this. All right, moving on. We're going to stay on that one. Stay or go on Giannis Antetokounmpo's quote in the GQ Man of the Year story. This was in August that he said this, according to the writer. And he said... I just love the next, I love challenges. What's the next challenge? The next challenge might not be here. He talked about how he and his family liked Milwaukee and it was a great place for him to be, that the city has has treated them well. But in two years, that might change. I'm being totally honest with you. Stay or go? Oh, I'm going to go on that. It's two years from now. Let's enjoy the championship runs until then and then figure it out. Interesting. Okay, if I were a Bucks fan, I'd be a little bit nervous, but you're right. Ooh. On this show, we tend to focus on the present and not do the hypotheticals two years from now. So we're going to go. Moving on, we've got, uh, man, this one is right in your wheelhouse, Fitz. The college football playoff last night uh, with some more weird decision-making um, that, that varies depending on the statement they're making, what kind of criteria and metrics they're using. But Gary Barta was ripped across social media for one of the things that he said in trying to explain their selections, here's a little bit of what it sounded like. Set aside watching the games. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one more time on that. Set aside watching the games. Okay. Um, I'm going to stay on this one. Here's the thing. Just briefly. If you're setting aside watching the games, then let's go back to the BCS. Just put a bunch of numbers in a computer and then spit out what it is instead of offering up the opportunity for the subjectivity that we all claimed we wanted, Fitz. Now, I think he was probably just not using the right terminology. What he wanted to say was, in addition to watching the games, we're looking at the statistics and Michigan statistically, yada, yada. But the way he said it was not great. Yeah, and look, we we interview him on Rankings Reaction. I actually, my first question to him is, when you're setting aside the games and you're also telling me head-to-head doesn't matter, what would your response right. be to college football fans <laughs> that say playing games doesn't mean anything? Just and throw he them was in just a computer. Like, Don't well, play the games at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't blame college football fans for feeling that way because that's the message that's coming. All right, we said we were going to go on that, but we had to stay because that quote was just too confounding. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. A little stay or go with some of the news of the day. Let's get to the Staples Center. Uh, This is a story that was surprising to some because the original reporting was that the Staples had a lifetime naming rights deal with the arena in L.A. where the Lakers and Sparks and others play. Uh, Turns out that's not the case. The arena bought back the rights and resold them to Crypto.com. It will become Crypto.com Arena, the richest naming rights deal in sports history, some absurd 20-year deal. I don't even know if Crypto.com will still exist by the end of that. And you can't shorten it to just Crypto Arena because Crypto is a big amorphous thing. They are specifically one site called Crypto.com. People say in Fitz they might call it The Crypt, uh, which is kind of cool. A little weird for like Disney on Ice or something or like JoJo Siwa (laughs) at The Crypt. But uh, stay or go on this one. I mean, I'll stay and just say this. Like, we're still going to call it Staples, right? Like, uh, you know, everybody knows I lived in Nashville for a long time, right? Like, it was originally, what, Adelphia Coliseum that became 
I think LP Field and now it's Nissan Stadium. Like, I don't know. We're just all like, yeah, where the Titans play. At the end of the day, these naming <laughs> rights things, you can't just suddenly change the name of it and presume that pop culture is going to go along with whatever they want to put on it. But I do like the crypt. That the is crypt kind of is fun. cool for like certain things, but a little awkward for others. Um, I, I'm torn on this because at first I was like, no one cares. You're still going to call it Staples. And also it's only been around for 22 two years, which is a long time, but it's not Wrigley Field or Fenway, right? We're used to this at this point across the sports world. Most people find a name for it that sticks and they don't remember. I mean, can you tell me right now what building the Vikings play in? Mm, no, no. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's so many of them that are like that. Right now, I believe it is U.S. Bank, bank Stadium. Yeah, I knew it yeah. was a bank. Yeah, Right. Used to be the Metrodome, all the other, whatever. So it does, but I did read Bill Plaschke in typical Plaschke form. Uh, losing Staples Center hurts. Losing the arena name that's synonymous with Kobe Bryant hurts. Losing the name of the place where I witnessed some of the greatest L.A. sports moments over the last 20 years hurts. With today's disappearance of Staples Center, I'm feeling a little lost, and I know I'm not alone. Listen, that is typical Plaschke. He's a multiple-time AP columnist of the year for being able to milk the nostalgia and the feelings out of everything, even a office supply chain naming rights being... I mean, especially uh, in L.A. Like, I, I mean, that's the only thing that's hard for me is like, I've watched a Raiders helmet that at one point had L.A. next to it and then had Oakland yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah, you have a whole city changing, like, yeah, not just got, the stadium. Like, stadium cities, that all changes every few years yeah. in my lexicon. I shrug a little bit, but at the same time, I do not call Willis Tower Willis Tower. It's still the Sears, mm, and it will true. be the Sears. And there are certain names, I guess, that you just you stick to it and, it, and it bothers you. So I'll give it to L.A. fans who are frustrated. I do kind of like the crypt, though, even mm. though Crypto.com Arena is, is hey, just... Would the goaltender in the crypt be the crypt keeper? Ooh. Oh, man. There's going to be – there's going to be – it's kind of like naming a guaranteed rate where the Sox play. I call mm-hmm. it the G-spot. There's a lot of ways that you could turn those <laughs> name changes into something good. Uh, anyway, we don't have time to stay on the NCAA Division One Women's Basketball Tournament, expanding to 68 teams and playing at neutral sites uh, for those early games. Um, but I'm I'm here for it. We're not going to be here for it because we don't have time to stay on it. But I'm here for the decision about time. Now let's hope we can get more than one weight rack and more than one uh, piece of weird meatloaf for the ladies at the, the <laughs> tournament this year. Uh, just doing this does not fix all of the problems from last year. We got to fix the weird meatloaf fits. That's, hey, yo, that's topic number the, one. Who ordered the weird meatloaf? <laughs> yeah, We've yeah, got can, it. Can we get some weights, some equipment, and not the weird meatloaf? Uh, that's step two in this process here. I'm glad they at least started by fixing one of the problems. It's Spain and Fitz. Jason Goff going to join us next to talk. The Bulls, they're back, and other NBA. It's coming up on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Kevin Pelton did not give your Bulls yep. a big grade on the DeMar DeRozan signing. Do you want me to beat him up? They picked a fight with the wrong guy! Um, I think it'd probably be a more efficient beating if I didn't, offering up I some reality. A few minutes later. Joining us now, ESPN NBA reporter occasionally calls me and my husband at around 10 p.m. and says he's coming over without an invite when he's in town. Might have just happened a week ago. It's Nick Friedel. Can you make me feel good about this, or are you going to Kevin Pelton me? I'm going to Nick Friedel you for many, many years and oh, say no. that while the Bulls are interesting and, and they made some cool moves today, I don't think they're that much better. You know what? Friedel, get out of here. you a better chance at coming over to my yeah. house next time. Not, like, yeah, Connecticut's next a time. long drive to get free food and free drinks. I'm just next saying. Next time I'm going to be asleep, too. This is Spain and Fitz. That is a solid pull from our producer, One Stosh. 
Yankee because, man, I was fired up about the Bulls acquisitions. I was p posting, Bulls got a great player and a great person in DeMar DeRozan. I'm pumped. This is great. Let's do this. And then all these analysts try to come in and rain on my parade. Well, you know who's not going to do that? Our next guest. I just know he's not going to do that because he has been watching these Bulls night in and night out and enjoying the hell out of them because the Bulls are back, baby. Spain and Fitz and joining us now, friend of the show, host of the Bulls pre and post game on NBC Sports Chicago. Gonna give us only the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Jason Goff, on a scale of one to ten, how back are the Bulls? Eleven thousand. Yeah, that? that's right. Eleven thousand. By the way, you know, Nick Friedel, you can launch him into the stratosphere too. <laughs> Nick don't know, that's my man. That's my man. I was about to go on in on a mad tirade on Nick Friedel, but hey, what's up, Commish? How you feeling? What's going on? Oh, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, soccer team I own is in the championship game on Saturday. The Bulls are back, baby, and uh, Justin Fields is worth watching every week. Uh, that's uh, just him, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Not the rest we, of the team. We got team. an interesting winner. That's right. Interesting winner for the for that's right. fans. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you quickly about this Bulls defense because that was the biggest question mark when they put together this unique-looking team in the offseason. And instead of it being just about a bunch of offensive players who have gelled extremely quickly, we've also got a really good defense. Uh, the 154th highest-paid player in the league is is the one leading <laughs> it. It's, it's kind of yeah. unbelievable. Tell me about the D. Yeah. Well, the defense uh... – I will. The defense is outstanding. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that there's a better back. And of course, you know, you got the, 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 the advanced metrics that you can look this up. But I, from what I've seen through the first 14, 15 games of the season, I don't know that I've seen a better backcourt defensive pairing than Lonzo Ball and Alice Caruso uh, so far. Um, Lonzo is as intelligent a young defender as I've seen in a while. And Alice Caruso is going to get you four or five extra possessions a game just from deflections. I mean, he, what is he, like third or fourth in the league in steals, leading the league in steals for bench players. Uh, he's, he's outstanding. So, And on top of it, you, you don't have to worry about not being tough enough certain nights. Like there were too many nights last mm -hmm. couple of years where Zach would score 40 and then all of a sudden it would go off the rails because you were counting on people who got punched in the mouth to punch back. So then I, you went from Lowry Market and Wendell Carter Juniors to – our young dudes trying to learn the league to DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso and Nikola Vucevic. So it's a different crew. It's a different kind of, of gravity to, to the veteran leadership surrounding Zach Levine and the rest of these Bulls. Jason, you were just talking about Lonzo, and let's be real. like He's shooting the ball so much better, and it looks so much better. What, what was the yeah. change for him this offseason? I mean, well, one, he actually, you know, he started doing this at the, I'd say the all-star break last year with Stan Van Gundy and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he, he became a catch-and-shoot player because of how much they ran their offense through Zion Williamson and, of course, Brandon Ingram. So, you know, it's, it's a real testament to him working as hard as anybody in the league to, like, redesigning a shot is not easy. And they knew they would have to do it going into his rookie year. And for the last couple of years, he's been slowly but surely working on that release, working on, uh, you know, the, the, the ball placement in his hands. And it, it's a totally different shot. So 
when he hits six or seven of them like he did against the Lakers in the revenge game, you like to see it. But he does have to be more aggressive offensively, especially with Booch out. And, of course, Patrick Williams, the fourth pick in the draft a couple of years ago. So they're missing some offensive firepower. And Lonzo Ball definitely has uh, taken that challenge over the last couple of games. We're talking to Jason Goff, host of the Bulls pre and post on NBC Sports Chicago. The Bulls, a surprising hot start, maybe for some more than others, but certainly even if you had optimism <laughs> about this team, I don't know if you would think that they would be first in the league in points off turnovers per game, fifth in opposing turnover rate, sixth in opponent points per game, sixth in two-point percentage uh, from, from the opposing team. This is a team that's getting it done on both ends of the court, and I wonder, without mm-hmm. Vucevic especially, or even when Vucevic is back in, the big concern was how to stop aggressive paint play, uh, even if you're super active on the perimeter, even if you've got Caruso and Lonzo being really smart and making it tough to set up in half court. How do you imagine them lining up in a series with a team like the Bucks or, you know, the Lakers when AD is going off? Well, Sarah, that's the, that's the uh, $60,000 question is, are they big enough up front? They were going to be small with Patrick Williams healthy. He was going to play a lot of small ball five for them. With him going out with the dislocated wrist for the rest of the season, they have to rely on a guy like Tony Bradley who uh, is, I would say like this, he's, he's, he's like a utility player, right? You give him 500 at-bats, you're going to see his weaknesses. And I think the Lakers kind of showed that in their last game. So Derek Jones Jr., hell, Javante Green, who's six foot four, has had some run in the front court. They're gonna have to either make a trade or understand that they just have to run people out of the gym because on the offensive rebounding tip and also uh, you know changing shots at the rim, teams are gonna take advantage of the Bulls. So that's why they have to be as efficient as they can offensively so they can get their defenses set. So it's, it's, it's going to be an issue, I think, all year long. So far, they've been able to stem that tie, but they got Yurkic and they got Nokic coming up. And anytime you got two itches back-to-back, you either, <laughs> you know, on a West Coast road trip or you need to go to the free clinic, one of the two. Yeah, we saw what happened with Doncic. That's three itches right two there. Two itches. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. there's a limit on the number of itches anybody can have back-to-back. I mean, that's right. but you golf like, as <laughs> much as – <laughs> got an ointment for that or something okay so you know with all of this excitement though like and i get it like sarah saying the bulls are back i'm also looking according to the great people at tankathon they're smarter than i am the bulls have the easiest strength of schedule left for the entire season so i mean is this sustainable to think that the the bulls are about to make a a genuine year-long mark into this uh, nba world Hey, Fitz, man, you know who you're talking to, right? Like, we, as fans, we won, you know, ca- catastrophic knee injury or right. one dude sitting on the bench longer than he should. Like, Bulls fans uh, since 98 have been kind of, you know, like the whack-a-mole vibes where you just peek your head up and like, all right, cool, the hammer ain't came down yet. Like, let's get to the all-star break, Fitz, before we start talking about who the, you know, who the top seed in the East going to be. I don't know. I don't know that it's – the strength of schedule thing is funny because – Nowadays in the NBA, you you have no idea who's going to play on a night-to-night basis. Like, for instance, tonight, you got Damian Lillard and Norman Powell who are questionable, but they both played like 35-plus minutes last game. So if, if the Bulls are capitalizing off of people not being there early and then the strength of schedule gets easier down the stretch, cool. But week to week, it, this league is wild. Like, look at the records. Look at the Eastern Conference and how lopsided it is. I, I don't know what to call this thing. But I just know that the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks aren't scared of going on the road and beating you. So teams like the Knicks and the Bulls and the Hawks are going to try to win every regular season game to get that home court advantage. But, yeah, it's, it's looking good right now. And 
first 10 games are more of a predictor for an NBA season than people would like to let on. You you win 70% of those first 10 games, you're, you're pretty much a surefire top five, top four seed. So it's going to be interesting going forward. But the strength of schedule, man, the Bulls fans ain't trying to hear that. They try, they try right. to have everybody healthy mm-hmm. going into a playoffs for the first time in a few years. Goff uh, is with us, Jason Goff. He hosts the Bulls pre and post on NBC Sports Chicago. We're almost out of time here, so less than a minute. Quick question for you, because we were just talking about that Nets team, trying to get a feel for whether or not they could put this together even without Kyrie. If he never comes back, surprisingly ninth in the league in defensive efficiency and in offense is, is yeah. where it just hasn't really clicked. What are you seeing from them? You think it's an easy fix or going to take a while? For the Nets? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think Kevin Durant got a bad deal, man. <laughs> like Kyrie is doing what he's doing. James Harden is not getting to the free throw line as much as he used to. I, and the rest of that team might be cooked. I mean, they're bigs, and, and Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge aren't giving them much. Steve Nash might have to finally coach. I don't know if that's what he signed up for in the beginning of this thing. The, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets will win some games because they're really talented. But I don't see the Brooklyn Nets representing the Eastern Conference in the, in the finals this year. It's just too much that has happened too early. And for your team to get booed and then the, the opposing player to get MVP <laughs> right. chance when it's two right. on the roster, yeah, man, it's going to be tough out there in Brooklyn. You're going you're oh, to start treating them like the New Jersey Nets again soon. Yeah, I completely agree. Hey, Goff, great to have you back on. We'll check in with you again down the road as the Bulls continue to be back at 11,000%. Out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> Always good to hear from y'all, man. I appreciate y'all. Uh, it's been really fun for Goff and the rest of the folks around the Bulls. Uh, it's been a while since it's been really fun around there, but this team is a, is a good time. He was giving you the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, one head coach on the brink of an historic new deal. We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance is proud to support veterans with its annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program, now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Sarah, uh, obviously uh, there's a lot to get to in the college football space Uh, and uh, there's a coaching contract that is absolutely blowing my mind. But before we get to any of that, as much as I want to wax about the money that coaches are going to make, we have breaking news in Major League Baseball. So uh, to get anybody up to date that uh, doesn't know at this point, Robbie Ray wins the AL Cy Young Award. He led the American League in ERA case. Innings pitched, uh, raised a fourth different Blue Jays pitcher to win a Cy Young first since Roy Holiday in 2003. You were on Around the Horn today. Did, did you did you predict that? I did. Was I was that... asked to predict the two winners. I got one of two. The one I got wrong was uh, the NL, and it was by, like, the closest margin ever. So I had, I had Robbie Ray and Wheeler. Uh, but Corbin Burns got the win, the Brewers pitcher for the NL Cy Young. Uh, he had an MLB best uh, ERA, 234 Ks, 94 whip. And uh, he barely, barely, barely beat Zach Wheeler. Difference of 10 points uh, ahead of Wheeler in that one. So, yeah. um, and, and by the way, they had the same number of first place votes. So yeah. incredible that it, it, that very, turned out very, to be. Very, very close. Uh, also, uh, some news in the baseball world. Justin Verlander re-upping with the Astros. So we got that news today. Um, and Fitz, we do also have some news on your final team. 
Uh, the news is that we still haven't done the end of your Major League Bachelor, but we haven't forgotten about it, everybody. We're trying to get people that we really want to pitch their teams to Fitz, to sell Fitz on the final three and what his last decision is going to be, and we're just having some trouble scheduling them. But we're going to get that, and we are going to force Fitz to make a decision that he will probably change as soon as uh, a team relocates to Vegas. But we're going we're gonna to finish that, we promise. At least I'm transparent. Like, look, yeah. at the end of the day, and of course it's not lost on me that I finally decided I'd go all in and become a Vegas Gold. Knights uh, right. fan, and yeah. now the Preds are just unstoppable. Of this course, year. see that's that's the way it works for me. Spain and Fitz, uh, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So the the playoffs, uh, the the college football playoff committee spoke yesterday. Not a lot of news in that sense, uh, obviously, Sarah. And we talked earlier about some of the things that Gary Barta, the playoff committee chairman, said. But I mean, realistically, we can at the end of the day, I think the one thing that we can all remember is that it's going to take care of itself. And I hate to say that because it doesn't excuse the committee for being wildly inconsistent to me. But it does at least give me peace of mind that in the end, uh, the, the process will be what the the process will work out because the right teams will get in since Ohio State's going to play Michigan and Michigan State over the next few weeks and Alabama's going to play Georgia so all of these things have the opportunity to work themselves out I still think though that this has been the most inconsistent college football playoff committee I've ever seen I think some of them can be worked out because there's a belief that if somebody stumbles Cincinnati might have the opportunity to take their spot if they remain undefeated but if there are no stumbles of the current top four, then Cincinnati's on the outside looking in again. And especially if Alabama ends up being a two-loss team and still is in, listen, I, I get that the system is the way it is and, and we can pretend that it's fair to all, but we know it's just about the power five. If you're, if you're not in the power five, I don't know how you even manage to make your way in because you can't schedule differently. A lot of teams aren't going to take you on if you're good. And so Cincinnati could do everything that they want and it still won't matter. That's why I think you need expansion regardless. And I also think, Fitz, if you end up with a similar situation where they're still arguing Oregon and Ohio State based on head-to-head and Michigan-Michigan State based on let's not watch the games, let's look at the numbers, you're going to end up with a lot of angry people. I mean, in the end, the answer is to get the best teams. But I don't know that we'll really know that if the metrics that they're using are so convoluted depending on which matchups they're 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 deciding well and and to that end you know what mike uh, golick jr last night on our rankings reaction show uh, flat out asked gary barta about the analytics because the answer with michigan michigan state has been hey when you look at the numbers michigan is still better than michigan state well when you look at the same that same grouping of numbers Ohio State's clearly better than Oregon yep. in every possible way, but Oregon has the head-to-head win, and Barta's response was Oregon has the best win by winning at Ohio State, and I think that's where it gets really frustrating because every single time you feel like you've got a, a handle on how they're comparing certain teams, they say, well, that's not applicable to these teams over here, so it feels very much like pay, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. The only thing that stinks about all of this when it comes to expansion, because I'm with you, I think expansion is inevitable, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I also don't think, though, that college football fans will be particularly fired up about over, you know, who's number 12 versus who's number 13. So I do, for college football fanatics, they like hearing college football talked about. The one thing about expansion that I think is interesting is are people going to be as fired up on a Wednesday to talk about college football in the middle of the NFL season if we're talking about whether or not Ole Miss deserves a playoff spot? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this 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 serves its purpose, which is to create content around it, right? And that that's what everybody wants, is to have a reason to argue about this week in and week out. But I, but I also think that that's not really fair to the programs and, and to – the, the, the group of five and other schools that will try their best to schedule 
and won't be able to get a team on there that's going to give them the bump they need or won't know two years earlier when they're when they're scheduling how things are going to turn out and that they're going to be a contender and by then it's too late that's one of the things that was cool about last year's covid season was there was kind of these let, let's schedule it and make it happen right away there should be a week or two in the season that isn't scheduled in advance for non-conference opportunities for teams who need to prove something like we need to change that format because it is too hard years in advance to know really what you need to put on your schedule in order to make that push. Now, one thing we do know is that it looks like Mel Tucker is going to be staying at Michigan state as the head coach And what uh, the Detroit free press is reporting is an epic 10 year $95 million contract extension. You're talking about $9.5 million per year on quick math. Look at me, uh, big brain on Jason. Uh, you're also talking about the highest paid African-American coach in all of college football at that point. But what's really stunning to me, Sarah, is that as much as I'm a fan of what's happened for Sparty this year, this is one great year. And just the rumors that other schools might be trying to hire him away is enough to give this massive raise mm. to a coach that has – one big year under his belt. I, I, I'm a little shook to see 10 years, $95 million. And also, in fairness, you know, I understand it's privately funded from the people that donate. I understand all of the minutiae to it. But this is the same school that cut swimming and diving last year because they said they couldn't afford the 1% of their overall athletic budget that continues to slash all over the place while they invest in this. I know what makes money. I'm not stupid. I cover college football. But at the end of the day, this is at the very least hypocritical by Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a serious issue and more so this year than ever. I would never begrudge Mel Tucker deserving it and getting the money. This is happening across the sport. But just this season so far, and we are at November 17th, public, not counting private even, just public FBS schools have committed to more than $46 million in buyouts. Mm. That's unbelievable. Mm, that is of the That's SEC coaches, because eight of the 14 current coaches are in their first or second year. The turnover is even more aggressive than ever. The wasted money, the buyout money going to people who are unemployed is absurd and ridiculous considering what you said about cup programs and also considering the fact that a lot of these places, these are public employees, the highest paid employees in the state by the government. I mean, and then I keep thinking about the reason these buyouts happen so often is because you just get nervous somebody else yeah. is going to try and hire your coach away, so you overpay. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think there was a happy medium. There has to be a going rate for the services of someone like Mel Tucker that isn't 10 years, $95 million to me. Because if this thing goes off the – like, what are you expecting in return for $95 million? I mean – if it's national championships or beat Ohio State, we've all seen how that worked for Michigan and the money they've invested in Harbaugh over the years. So none of it is simple, uh, obviously, but it's interesting nonetheless. Coming up, NFL Week 11 kicks off tomorrow night. One team riding a hot streak thanks to their rookie quarterback. We'll break it down next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. If you're not necessarily a massive Patriots fan, maybe you're anti-Patriots. You had like one season, and it wasn't even that bad of a season. And then he had the beginning of this year, and you thought you could say, I told you so. And now all of a sudden you blink, and the Patriots are six and four. They've won four straight. The question is, what's it feel like to be a Patriots fan? I'll never know it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and I blame my parents. Like, my dad could have been a Patriots fan instead of a Raiders fan. Would have made my entire adult life 
that much easier. Uh, by the way, I don't know if anyone's seen Man in the Arena. Cannot recommend it enough, but it was a swift kick to the no-no places to be on the Man in the Arena reaction show and have to react to episode <laughs> one, which had an entire segment about the tuck rule. I'm oh. still better. That's fine. Oh, that's oh. fine. That's fine. I'm not yeah. still reeling from it. Uh, I mean, but it to get a like breakdown of... <laughs> I am. Yeah, I just never get past it. We'll get a breakdown of all things Patriots from the current team, though, from the Goodyear Hotline, where we are joined by former Patriots tight end Jermaine Wiggins. You can check him out on WEEI. Jermaine, always appreciate you hanging out with us. Everybody's in love with Mac Jones, obviously, and the way he's playing right now. What's been the key to how he's playing now compared to how he played at the beginning of the season? First off, let me tell you what it's like being a Patriots fan. Waking up every day, and it's sunny, <laughs> and 82.5 <laughs> degrees outside, oh, and you live on the ocean, and you don't oh. have no bills. Wow. That's oh, what it's that like. It nice. is the San Diego <laughs> of fandom. So nice. Like, it's a perfect, yes, beautiful day every day. It is. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's like. But when you look at this Patriots team and you look at what the young kid has been able to do, uh, you know, we we have a lot of discussions about Mac Jones and, and what Mac Jones' progression is, you know. And I think a lot of a lot of Patriots fans love what they see. And I think, you know, here's a kid that landed in the perfect situation, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels. And the one thing I will definitely give him credit for is he's not a kid that's going to go out there and make many mistakes. That's the one thing I will say about Mac Jones. He ain't going to go out there and wow you with his arm strength or his ability to move and throw on the run and get outside the pocket but he won't make mistakes and he'll always kind of keep the team in a position where they're always going to have a chance to win the football game. I got to ask you this. I I know I want to talk about the Patriots of today, but when I was looking at your career and all the teams you played for, you you finished with the NFL with the Jags on the practice squad um, in 2007, which is a long time ago. You played with the Mm -hmm. Florida Tuskers uh, till 2010. So a little bit more recently, um, but United Football League, UFL team. So when you look at Tom Brady, who is, I believe, two years older than you, I mean, younger than you, can you yep. believe that he's still at it? And how much would it hurt right now if you were trying to still be playing NFL football? I, you know what? I, I would not be able to do it. And, you know, luckily you play a position where every position is tough in the NFL, but the quarterback position, they look out for you, but you can't make, take nothing away from Tom and what he's been able to accomplish. I think the thing that makes him, you know, obviously such a great player and the ability to do what he's able to do is his discipline, his dedication, his his willingness to be able to take care of himself both physically and mentally. And I think that's, that's the hard part that a lot of players run into. You know, a lot of players run into the daily grind of doing that, you know, like you don't eat this, you can't eat that. And and that's ultimately have, has been giving him the ability to have that longevity. So you got to give the guy a lot of credit. It's like, He's, he's continuing to play, and he keeps getting better and better every year, and it seems like, is this guy ever going to slow down? And we're all over here aging every single day and barely <laughs> can get out of bed without screaming. Uh, you're reminding me of what I drink. That's what's happening right now. Jermaine Wiggins <laughs> joining us, former Patriots tight end. You can check him out on WEEI. Uh, you're listening to Spain and Fitz. So give me a sense, outside of the quarterback position, because we're over quarterback obsessed in the world, what is making this Patriots team so good right now? Well, I think it's their defense, their defense, defense, defense. And if you look what their defense has been able to do, I mean, look what, besides the really the Dak Prescott game where he went off, 
defensively, they've done a good job against the, the good quarterbacks that they played. The Tom Brady, um, you think about Justin Herbert this past week with, with Baker Mayfield, and then the teams that, you know, that they're supposed to go out there and be here recently, they've been doing that. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I've said with this team, this team is, is about their defense, their ability to run the football, and then it's about the passing game. So it's kind of similar in the aspect of that's what it was like for us in 2001 where we were a defensive first team. We ran the football, and then Tom, when he was called upon, needed to make the plays. He made those plays, and you know, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes. So I think that's what you see with this Patriots football team right now is their ability on defense to kind of control the field position, make, a play, make plays. I want to say they're like fifth in takeaway. So that's the one thing I think you're seeing a lot of success come from. It's Spain and Fitz here, Spain. Jason Fitz talking to Jermaine Wiggins, former Patriots tight end. You can hear him now on WEEI. I'm trying to figure out if we're just a little bit too excited because of the recent streak, even though some of the numbers bear out a good reason for that. One of them is the average point differential through the first 10 games, better than any of, I'm sorry, five of of Bill Belichick's six Super Bowl winning teams through this part of the season, which is an unbelievable thing to look at when you're supposed to be just learning with your new quarterback instead of already being at that sort of spot. What, What are you seeing from this team overall that makes you think that the next stretch is going to be even better and they're going to be contending or what are you seeing that makes you pull back a little and say, okay, everybody, we might be getting a little bit too prisoner of the moment here on the Pats as a real contender. Well, I I think the thing that, that gives us promise and hope and puts a smile on our face every day is if you look at like the beginning of the season, we, we talked to Bill Belichick every Monday morning on the Greg Hill show. And one of the things that Bill talked about early in the season was some of their red zone issues you know, both offensively and defensively. But if you look at him, if you look at this Patriots team here lately, both offensively and defensively, they're scoring points on offense when they get in the red zone. You you look at what Hunter Henry's kind of becoming that red zone threat. And then defensively, they're keeping teams out out of the end zone. So that's the promising thing. When you look at a football team, you go, all right, at the beginning of the season, you know, they had some struggles in those areas, but now you start to see them really tighten up. And that, you know, obviously that's the most important you know, place on the football field. It's what do you do when you get inside the 20? You're coming away with touchdowns or field goals. And I think that's the biggest thing that you're seeing from this Patriots team that they're now doing well is when they are getting into the red zone, they're scoring touchdowns and defensively, they're keeping people out of the end zone. You got a tough remaining schedule though. The Titans, the Bills, the Colts. I mean, those are, and then the Bills again, you got four straight matchups. What's your level Mm -hmm. of concern for the team going into that gauntlet? Well, you, my level of concern isn't – like, I don't have this huge level of concern because I feel like the AFC is wide open. You, you, everybody was praising the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's the same team that lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars two weeks ago, and I know that everybody stumbles. But when you look at, when you, when you look at the AFC, to me it's wide open. And I, I'm even starting to believe that the NFL and the whole NFL, AFC and NFC – is completely wide open. There's no dominant football team. In years past, it was like the Patriots for, you know, God knows 20-plus years. Then you even had, like, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Kansas City Chiefs. You had these teams that you looked at and go, okay, they were better than everybody else. But when you start to look at teams in the AFC, is there a team that you can say this team is far and away better than everybody else? And as a Pats fan, I don't see that team, and I think that's why – there are a lot of Pats fans in New England that feel very confident about this Patriots football team 
and what they can accomplish. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, it does feel like it's super open, Fitz. I mean, if I gave you maybe six teams, there would be at least six that you wouldn't be shocked if they won it all, right? Which is a lot right. more than we can usually I, say. So, Yeah, exactly. Well, Jermaine, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for the insight, and thanks for reminding me that my life would have been better if I'd have been a Patriots fan. As always, <laughs> check him out on WEEI. We appreciate you, my friend. Not a problem. You guys take care. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right, we made picks. As usual, Sarah kicked my butt. We'll update you on that. Plus, <laughs> NFL quickies all coming up next. Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to ask you guys out on Twitter, out on the Spain and Fitz Nation, out on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, uh, we're going to ask you guys to chime in on what our bet should be for our week-in and week-out picks. And I'm just going to plead for kindness because if there's anything at this point that I'm sure of, it's that uh, my Sundays aren't going to go the way I plan them to go most of the time and that Sarah's going to kick my butt when it comes to the picks that we make. We make our picks every week, our, our five, and last year we both did really well. This year, one of us is doing well. This, this is how <laughs> it went for us on Friday. I'm going to start with writing everything in the world that was wronged last week, the Bills are going to beat the Jets. Yeah, that was at the top of my list, too, for, for easy games to pick this week. Wow. You guys are on fire. I have not <laughs> felt this good about a Raiders-Chiefs matchup in years. I'm not sure where to put that on the ridiculous meter. I think the Raiders are going to beat the Chiefs, and all of the conversation is going to turn around on this team by Monday morning. Ooh. I will be very, very cocky. Ooh. You it's easy to kind of curl up and put yourself in a corner during the tough times. I am confident enough to pick them against the Falcons, even though the Falcons have had some interesting games. The Cowboys are a better team and they will win. Yeah, I'm with you. I also took the Cowboys over the Falcons. This is unbelievable. <laughs> the two of you are finally working together. I've got the Bucks over the Washington football team. Nothing for you. Anytime the Lions are playing right now, Pick against them. Steelers going to take the Lions. I didn't know you could even tie in the NFL. Inconceivable. I went with the Cardinals over the Panthers. But I think right now A&M being slept on a little bit, and they have a much better coach than Ole Miss does. Sorry, Lane Kiffin. So at the end of the day, I'm taking A&M. We won. So finally, we can go have some popcorn. All right, my final pick is the Rams over San Francisco. How could you have such horrible instincts and survive this long? <laughs> Oh, oh. Honestly, know. though, I'm still ahead, which is fine. I mean, that's really the most important thing is that I was, you know, still two and three compared to your two, two and one. So I am now 23 and seven and you are 19, 10 and one. And I was thinking about it. We don't have stakes for this. We've got stakes for the winner of our preseason picks. That's the polar plunge. But we need stakes for the final standings on our weekly picks, too. So I'm going to put it up uh, on Spain and Fitz Station at Sarah Spain at Spain and Fitz at Jason Fitz. Let us know what stakes we should have. What should be on the line? For this. Well, and, and at the end of the day, don't make it steaks because neither of us eat them. So, yeah, you know, it's got to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> it can't, we can't, the steaks can't actually Are be Are you back steaks. on the veggie train? Oh, I can't I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't go up. full. I have tried so many times. You know, you know we're just going to totally go off the rails here for a second. I always try to go full vegetarian because of my love of animals, as you know. And I just, it is so hard to eat just normally. Like, I can't, I just, it becomes That's such a That's because you have labor. a trash palate and you're uh -huh. lazy yeah. and you like bad food. 
Well, I mean, I I eat very <laughs> clean, though. I will tell you that. Like, I, I just, the the number one thing that I eat a lot of that I struggle to get rid of because it's easy for me to make is chicken. Like, yeah, it's just a plain chicken breast. Yeah. Yep, it's yeah. easy, it's healthy. And when oh, I'm yeah, trying to be super healthy, nice. like Friendly, chicken and, like and salmon like and eggs snuggle. are three things yeah. that are, do you eat, do you kind. eat any and they're dairy? Feeling. Uh, eggs, yes. Okay, so, yeah, okay, that, that's, yeah, I mean, I have the same food, basically three meals a day when I'm eating clean, which is right now, so... There's nothing spontaneous or exciting about it. I just can't get rid of the chicken. That's all. I like. I guess I could. I just haven't You're found a weak a, a, man. It's yeah. not. This is not news to us. Well, that is not. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Spain and Fifth Nation knows that all too well. Uh, by the way, you could tweet us at Jason Fitz at Sarah Spain. Uh, so now that we've gone through the misery that is known as my picks, I should feel proud of nineteen ten and one. Yet I don't because. I'm getting my butt kicked by Sarah. In the meantime, we want to get you caught up with some of the big NFL news from around the league, and we do that the way only this show can with Quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. We have breaking news in the NFL. Uh, the Jets don't know what they're doing. That's just the, the <laughs> easiest way to put this. That I know, is not I, breaking. <laughs> I just, uh, you know. All the love that I feel for our, our friend, friend of the show, Chris Mitchell, producer uh, extraordinaire for the next show, uh, Freddie and Other Fits. Uh, uh, that show, and Chris, he's just got to be feeling the misery right now, is the Jets have decided to start Joe Flacco. So Joe mm. Flacco will be the starting quarterback. And I guess I look at it and I'm like, why? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I know you kind you, you want to win games, but if Zach Wilson isn't going to be out there, what what chance are you giving yourself with Joe Flacco? And and if that's the case, why did they not address the backup quarterback position better than this coming into it? Like the number of fails it has taken to get to this spot for the Jets is laughable. Yeah, listen, Joe Flacco was a decision that they should have hung on to in order to help Zach Wilson at the beginning of the season. Now that they have acquired him because of injury. It isn't to go to him. And the only reasonable explanation I heard for this is that they might want to get a look at the rest of the team, and that's hard to do with Mike White, right? That, Zach, that Joe Flacco is an experienced veteran who's a, a little more steady and solid, and you're likely to be able to get a better look at the team as a whole and maybe a better a chance of getting a win, which is something that Robert Sala desperately needs right now as he's the laughingstock of the league and getting a lot of criticism. Unfortunately, I still think it's not the right move because Flacco is not the future. This is a, a bridge to nowhere when you could instead have another look at Mike White. He's only got three starts, right, and four appearances in the NFL. Give him another shot to look at him. He just threw 400-plus yards a couple games ago. I don't know what you're going to learn from having Flacco out there. Even Quickies. if you don't think that Mike Mike White can be the starter, you still play him here because, frankly, I think yeah. that at the end of the day, giving him reps matters. All right, now now we can hear the deep, sensual Quickies voice again. Quickies. Oh, look at that. All right, the NFL is uh, they're enforcing stricter pro protocols for COVID-19 around the Thanksgiving holiday. We always have eyes on this because it uh, impacts so many uh, players and how they could or couldn't be available. Well, a memo obtained by ESPN establishes new requirements for masks, uh, mask wearing for all players and staff while inside club facilities from November 21st through December 1st. They're basically getting ready for all the family gatherings. And also, mm -hmm. new requirements for surveillance cameras in team facilities for the purpose of enforcing COVID-19 protocols. The memo says the league has been, quote, periodically reviewing footage from surveillance cameras in club facilities to ensure protocol compliance. So uh, they're going to continue to do that, and they're going to look more at cameras. I think it's interesting. Basically, the league is saying, trust nothing right now. Yeah, th there's been uh, the highest caseload for the season 
was October 31st to November 13th. It reflected what's going on across the country. The caseloads are going up. That's for one reason because uh, a lot of people are more than six months past their original vaccines, and some of them might need boosters to improve that immunity. Also, it's getting cooler in a lot of places, so people are indoors a lot more. We know it spreads much easier inside. So as we head towards the holidays, like you mentioned, a lot of travel, a lot of family time, a lot of people that might not otherwise be in your orbit, uh, they have to be careful just like the rest of us. And actually, there's some kind of conflicting advice on whether or not the average person who isn't immunocompromised or older needs their booster shot. I'm still doing the research on that myself, but it feels like it might be something that will become the norm in the next couple months. Well, and all eyes will continue to be on the protocols because the NFL is constantly going to be analyzed. And we're seeing, as you said, more and more players uh, that are dealing with it right now. In fact, Bosa was put on the uh, COVID-19 list today. Uh, so uh, we yeah. continue to see impact to it. Uh, well, and Fitz, that, I also, that's... yeah, I mean, I also think it's because the, um, it's because, you know, we look at what we saw with Lazard, with Aaron Rodgers, like the NFL has the spotlight on it as well for its own handling. And so do the individual teams. We had been told that there was very serious regulation of the protocols that were put in place. Like you always say, they were collectively bargained. So everybody that's in there, staff, coaches, players, have agreed to play under the assumption that all these things are going to be followed and put in place. The fact that Aaron Rodgers was gallivanting around massless with the press and other places, and it resulted in a, a slap on the wrist, but still was something regulated. I mean, $300,000 for the Packers, more so than what he got personally. But I think that's part of this too, is we need a better idea of what you all are doing behind the scenes because some of you are taking advantage of not being watched. Yeah, well, and, and uh, the the camera statement is going to speak to that too because it's a question we all asked around the Rogers situation. So now we'll see how the NBA handles it moving forward. In the meantime, a ton of NBA stories to get to, including that loss by the Nets last night. How much are they missing Kyrie? We'll ask an expert next on Spain and Fitz. Oh, never mind. We still have 10 seconds before oh we do God, that. Oh, my God, what are you going to do with radio. it? Don't waste it. You know what? I, we're going to talk to a guest next. That's all oh, I got to man. say. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Wow. What song is it's this? It's electric. That's right, it is. It's electric. Are we at a bad wedding 15 years ago? You can do it. It's I don't know electric. what you're talking about. Woogie, 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 woogie. Every time I'm with you, it's like a great wedding right That's now. That's so, so true. If we get chicken dance next, I walk. That's it. <laughs> uh, it's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Somebody Spain. play chicken dance. Somebody <laughs> play it. No. We had a list for our wedding DJ that was like things not to play, you know, electric slide, chicken dance, you know, all that stuff. We're not here for that. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Ramona Shelburne going to join us now, ESPN.com senior writer. As we get back to the NBA, we mentioned earlier, 11 games on the slate tonight. Some really good matchups, some interesting teams going for monumental things like a 10th straight win for the Suns. You know, Wizards looking for a sixth straight, trying to make us believe that they deserve to be atop the East. Ramona, let's start there. The Wizards. How much should Wizards fans anticipate their team staying atop the East? For how long and, and with what confidence? Um, atop the East, I don't know. But but I think they, they've played well enough and shown enough in terms of having depth, having – they're not just like on a on – a, they're not beating just bad teams or something. This isn't a schedule quirk. Um, I think we can say that they are a legitimate – they should make the playoffs this year, and maybe we can talk about them as a, a top top team. Not top team, but top 
Final Four team, Some something ish, like that. I mean, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I want to. I want to see what the Bucks do. Like the Bucks won the league. You know, they won the NBA last year, right? And they have had all sorts of injuries and COVID problems and started off six and eight. They're, they're beating the Lakers tonight. So I don't want to write them off. Brooklyn kind of still needs some time to get together. Philly's had some issues, right? I mean, there, there's teams in the East that I think are really good that have just kind of gotten off to okay starts. So I, you can't, it's too early to write anybody off. I think the Wizards have shown enough in terms of this is a good, deep team that's playing really good defense and they're playing really smart this year that I think you can, you can, I don't know, buy some playoff tickets maybe right, first, second right, right, round. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. I like that. Stop I'll take planning it. for that. Yeah. So, so take the other side of it then Ramona, cause you mentioned the, you know, the Sixers and the Bucks and having a rough start. How far into the season do we go before we get concerned about some of the teams we thought might be better that are having a slow start? Yeah. Well, okay, so let's let's go through some of those teams, right? Um, uh, are you concerned about the Lakers? Uh, you know, they're just very okay right now. Uh, a little bit over 500, not playing all that great, but we really haven't seen LeBron James for very very much of the season at all. We haven't seen those three superstars together on the court except for a couple of games. At some point, I mean, generally speaking, you say after 20 to 25 games, you have a sense of how a team is. Like, is this group working? Are they, um, are they going to come together, or do they need to make some changes? 20 to 25 games when you've had a lot of injuries, though, I'm not sure that's sufficient. So I, I really don't know what to make of the Lakers at all until LeBron comes back, which I should be Friday, but you have to see how he does when he goes through some workouts. Um, what other teams are we not? Portland, that's a team that we thought would get better this year, and they're 7-8. and eight. You know, um, I'm trying to think of other teams that have been sort of disappointing so far. But it's uh, – I think 20 to 25 games is usually the time and really like the unofficial time when you say, okay, we, we've seen enough. It's, it's, it's probably Christmas. It's, I believe that's, that's like the, what the Tom Thibodeau of, said as well. Yeah. 10 to 20, once yeah. you get to 30, 40, it's all bull bleep, if you know what I mean. Uh, that's that's <laughs> yeah. how Tom Thibodeau is reacting to all of this. I saw the news that Zion Williamson was cleared for contact. He's going to start one-on-one drills. You got to walk before Mm -hmm. you can run. So this is a positive. It's just such a small positive, right? He still then needs to get further, you know, cleared for scrimmages and everything else, then get the win back so he can play in games. The the Pelicans are are trash. They're two and 13. It's not just him. Obviously there are other injuries that are affecting them, but I think I heard someone say something interesting today that the Pelicans will be extra careful with with Zion Williamson throughout the first two seasons full of injuries. Uh, they'll be so careful with him, and then as soon as he has the opportunity, he will leave to go somewhere else. How likely is that going to be? I mean, you hear all that saber rattling out, you know, when you talk when you talk amongst people in the league, right? There's this sense that if the Pelicans were to offer him an extension off that rookie contract this year, I'm not so sure he takes it. But Sarah, let's let's be real about this. This is a two hundred million dollar extension. First, they gotta offer it. I I can't imagine them not offering it. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of him, but from what you have seen, if and when he is ever healthy, he's an all star. He's really good, and he should deserve that. It would be devastating for the Pelicans to lose him. So I I don't see how they can not offer it. But you know, the, you hear, like right now, they're they're awful, and they haven't made the playoffs since he's been there. Meanwhile, 
the guy drafted right after him, John Morant, it looks like the most improved player in the league this year. I mean, it, there's there's other people in his draft class that are just taking off, and Zion is still stuck. And and I would, I, if you want to extend that metaphor, like failure to launch. I mean, it just hasn't just hasn't been on the court. And so I I think there is, um, there's, they got problems. They got problems there, and they got to figure it out sooner rather than later because there's. $200 million writing on it, and that comes up quicker than you think. You mentioned John ja Morant and the Grizzlies, and it's been incredible to mm-hmm. watch him play this year. But the Grizz, I mean, there are 500 teams sitting at the eight seed. What do they need to yeah. build around him to be better? Well, I mean, that's just a, it's just a young team that has had some key pieces go in and out of the lineup. And they started off so hot, so they've kind of had this cold stretch right now. But I, I really think that the the Grizz to me are are the model for how you build through the draft. And they haven't other than Jaw, they haven't had a you know, a ton of great draft picks. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. is the top five, but the rest of these the rest of the players in the Grizzlies who are excelling, these are they're these are just good draft picks, middle of the first round. <laughs> they they just they they've just drafted and developed well. They've built a culture there. They've got a lot of depth. Um I just think they need to keep playing together. I think they're just young and need to come of age. I don't know if it's necessarily a big trade that you swing, but um, they, they, they've shown me enough. I don't know. Have you seen enough? Say like that team can, that team can knock people off in the playoffs. They did, they did well last year, knocking the Warriors out. I mean, they're so much fun to watch. Yeah. Ramona Shelburne's with us here. ESPN.com senior writer talking NBA here on Spain and Fitz. Let's talk about the Lakers. You know, it used to be back in the Mm -hmm. day that no matter how far into the regular season, the Lakers, or the Cavs, or whichever team LeBron was on, or, or Miami, didn't look quite right. It didn't really matter. Every one of us that tried to write him off, you, you get to the postseason and he figures it out, no matter who was the surrounding cast and everything else. Yeah. He's not, not the same guy anymore because of the injuries, and this is not the same team. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook is an X factor and not in a positive way at the end of a lot of these games. There's a lot of older players. It was interesting to watch yeah. the Bulls be able to sort of neutralize Anthony Davis the other night when usually that big man inside is the toughest thing for them defensively. Mm-hmm. What have you seen so far? Because I'm not super optimistic about them figuring this out just because LeBron and AD are on that team. No, I mean, Sarah, I, I'm with you on it. They, um, they gave up a lot of really good players and they're all, you know, it's, it's the way this goes in the league, right? You give up good players to get good players. But then those those players go off around the league and have good seasons. So every time you look at Chicago, you say, "Oh, Lonzo Ball, he, mm-hmm. he was pretty good." Laker, right? Uh, Alex Caruso, he's pretty okay, good. Caruso's running uh, that whole defense. Like he's he's kind yeah. of making that thing go. Yeah, in Washington, you know, those are three great rotation players that they got um, for Russell Westbrook. Who, I mean, I've seen enough. Like he's a he is a superstar in this league. He gets better as the season goes on, especially on a new team. So we have to give him a little time, and this is a totally different way of him playing. They they kind of went to a different lineup the last few few games that I think is probably is going to utilize him better, which is you don't play with a with a big. So Russell Westbrook's not not really a shooter, so they have they take the the center out so he has more space. Okay, and, and Anthony Davis plays at the five. That's worked pretty well, but as you saw in the Chicago game defenses know you're going to do that now and so they can counter by sending three guys at Anthony Davis every time um it it, it hasn't worked so far it and and he leads the league in turnovers by a mile it's not even it's not even close and so I think it's it's something that they got to give a little time to gel once LeBron gets back um but Frank Vogel's just he's just trying stuff I mean I'm telling you every time I watch him they got a different starting lineup 
trying to do combinations. Players go from starting one game to DNP the next. Um, they're experimenting. I, I don't know what they can do without LeBron. I mean, that's, that's what I've seen enough to say is I don't think Russ can carry the team by himself. I don't know if Russ and AD can carry the team by themselves. I think it's got – when LeBron gets back, like, the, the stars go back into alignment, and then you really see what they have. But it's been great so far. Ramona, we talked about this at the ESPNW Summit. Would they break the record mm-hmm. for the most DNP olds for a season? So I hope you're <laughs> keeping a tally. Uh, we're going to have to check the tape mm-hmm. on that. It, although that was off the record, that conversation. I don't know if there is a tape <laughs> on our guests at the over-under on it. But uh, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Hey, thanks for the insight, Ramona. Always appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Ramona. You got it. What, what song's up next? I like I like the uh, wedding uh, song. It better not playing. be Chicken Dance. That's no, all I have God, to say. I hope it's I Chicken walk. Dance. Macarena? Oh, oh, my God. Oh, no. Uh, I, 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 I shudder to think. Uh, Ramona Shelford, ESPN.com, Ooh, senior is. writer. I'm, I'm <laughs> coming up with all the wedding songs. Oh, this is great. With us here on State Fits. Uh, don't forget, you can tune in to the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Interesting segue, just mentioned the SPNW Summit. This week's episode of That's What She Said is a panel of badass women in sports talking about leadership and all sorts of other stuff from the summit. So check it out. Coming up, I made a proclamation today on Around the Horn, and only a few people are up in my men. She's mad at me about it. We'll see if Fitz agrees with it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You know what? (laughs) I don't deserve this. I'm all the way out here in Chicago. I can't even send over a stern look. I can't run into the booth and hit the mute button on the music. I mean, you knew this was coming, right? Yeah, I you did, did know it to it was yourself coming. there. I did. I offered up exactly what I didn't want. It's like when you come in with the stroke, which is still my least favorite. i got to tell you, that's funny you say that because it was on my mind. It was on your mind. I was going to say, was. it's been a while since you remembered how much I hate Billy Squire. Oh. And now that I've reminded you, I imagine it will be... Coming back to haunt me tomorrow, has, if not later today. Has it been that long? Because I play the song every day, and every day I play it, I think, oh, Sarah would hates do this that. crap. You would do that. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Fitz, you have strong opinions on Billy Squire, the stroke? No, no. Should I? Are there strong I, opinions well, to have Well, pick a side. Brad loves it. I hate it. Stosh apparently listens to song. it every day. Um, I, when in doubt, I think that Sarah Spain is right. That's the wow. important thing. He just... He just tucked his little tail between his yeah. legs and yeah, said, there, "I'm scared." There is no I'm doubt that I right am now. not a man. Good there is no <laughs> doubt that I just I have I have cowered in the corner. Baby has just been put in the corner, and that's <laughs> and how you do it. You're happy to be there. Uh, it's ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career. Brought to you by ZipRecruiter and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we asked you to offer up some suggestions of ways that we can uh, punish the loser for our year-long weekend picks. We make five picks every Friday of the weekend's NFL slate. Fitz has a college game thrown in there. And uh, the suggestion so far, we don't know if we have a winner, but at Joshua J67149889, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. He's part of Spain and Fitz Nation. He said, shaved heads always makes a statement. I'm in Joshua. for that. Yeah, let's let's I go for that. I think that would I mean, go over a lot better for Fitz than for me. Yeah. I have a weird considering head. like I basically uh, don't do any TV yeah. and you do tons of yeah. it. I and then I'm a guy like it's yeah. a that's that's not a well, fair bet. Lady no. with a weird head. 
at JD7 also hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with some news from Spain and Fitz Nation. And this is very specific and strange. Uh, you have to eat gradually worse tasting and smelling fruits. I fruits, love though. most fruits, though. Like, that's about, yeah. like you're talking about two people that eat a lot of fruit. Like, eat a lot I, of fruit. I, There's just not going to be very many you could put in there that we're not going to no. like. I spent uh, a I, lot of time today uh, splitting apart a pomegranate. Like, I'm all in on fruit. Okay, that sounded dirty for some reason. I'm not sure why. We're just going to leave that there. At Poet Gambler uh, said, shots of pumpkin spice Malort. I don't know what that is, and I know a lot about Malort. Uh, It must be that people uh, combined Malort with, uh, oh, Halloween peeps. No. That is the combination. 2019 Halloween peeps infused Malort. Uh, that would that. not that would not be good. I'm just letting you know. No. Uh, have you had Malort, Fitz? Uh, no, I've not yeah, had Malort. I don't, I've, you haven't been to Chicago to hang out with me, which means you've not been forced to be indoctrinated into the Malort team. Uh, that would not taste good. Uh, at Greg underscore Mandel, loser is a with for the week, i.e. Spain with Fitz. Subtle but painful. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of Spain and Fitz, you're just a with, just featuring uh, at Chris Roney Zero, tattoo of the winner's favorite team logo goes on the loser. Listen, only one of us has covered in tattoos. This is like the shaved head thing. You wouldn't be able to find it on Fitz, but mine would stand out a lot. Yeah, that is true. Like, I could bury, like, the bears tattoo anywhere in yeah. this, and people would be like, oh, did you do something with the bears? Like, it wouldn't even yeah, stick out to people. It wouldn't even. Uh, we're going to keep looking. Uh, those were decent suggestions. We will bring this back another day and get some more uh, reactions. Also, speaking of reactions, we've been talking about the NBA games on the slate tonight. Giannis at the half, 28. Uh, his point total for the gambling folks was 27 and a half. So he hits that before the half. Bobby Portis, 17 at half. Uh, Tom Haberstro pointing out that this game will not be going on Anthony Davis's defensive player of the year tape. Uh, so not a great start for the Lakers there <laughs> against the Bucks. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, today on Around the Horn, we were asked for our updated NFL power rankings based on uh, the latest games and, and reactions to, to week 11, sort of around the halfway, a little past the halfway point. And I said it was still the Cardinals for me. Uh, I understand that there's a really good argument for the Packers, whose defense has been great. Um, I could give you a lot on the Titans. I think they're spectacular. I still want to see if their offense can be explosive enough so that they don't have to win grinding out defensive games, which is the way they've done it so far. But I look at the Cardinals. They're the fourth. They have the fourth most points in the league, and that's with Murray out for two games, D-Hop out. They've got the number four defense, their third in takeaways. That's the stuff that stands out to me, the balance there. We knew they were going to be an explosive offense, but defensively to be fourth in the league, to be winning the turnover battle in all their games, and to be at the place they're at, even with their quarterback out the last two, to me, it's still the Cardinals. Uh, although I understand if you want to argue for, you know, Pat, uh, sorry, Packers, Titans, maybe even the Cowboys in there. Um, I just, I'm not willing to give up on a team where I know what the problem is right now, and that's that Murray is out. Yeah, you look, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I would argue for the Titans uh, because as much as we keep waiting for the Titans to lose because of the loss of Derrick Henry, the only thing I would say is that you're right. The offense hasn't been particularly impressive the last couple of games, but the defense has played so well that it hasn't mattered. And this is a defense that's getting after the quarterback without sending a blitz. Like their their ability, their pass rush win rate is through the roof. That's not easy for me to say. Uh, their Tough ability one. to get after the passer with only four has been key for them. I, I look at the Titans' explosive defense at this point as such a key. Now, they have the Texans coming up. That's fine. But after that, 
They have the Patriots in, in a game that I think will give us the best test that they'll have the rest of the year to figure out who they're going to be. But the Titans are going to just they're going to ease their way into the playoffs pretty easily. If there's any shot that Derrick Henry Henry can come back healthy, I think the Titans have a legitimate Super Bowl chance. But I don't think you're wrong to say that the Cardinal des- Cardinals deserve to be at the top of the power ranking simply because they've done what they've done this year. They've won with their defense when they've needed to. They've won with their offense when they've needed to. And the fact that they were able to even withstand one game without Kyler Murray is better than most could do without their starting quarterback. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's an argument for a lot of these. And from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, you've got to find out whether some of the down moments for a couple teams are true you know, reflections of a weakness or just aberrations because of a long season. You know, the Bills just a couple weeks ago would have probably been my choice, but now I have a few questions for them offensively if Josh Allen isn't absolutely dominant, right? Um, The Patriots are coming on strong, and that's gross and sad, and we don't want to admit that, right? Uh, The Chiefs are very dangerous if they actually figure it out. I know their defense needs to prove something for sure. The Buccaneers, I mean, this is a team that after their bye week last week, I think didn't lose a single game. They were not good coming in, and then they figured it out. Now they've got the Super Bowl hangover. Are they just kind of bored, and they're waiting until the end of the season to turn on the Jets? This is wide open, like we said earlier. There are probably six or seven teams you could tell me win the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, that's why for the Super Bowl conversation, it comes down to me for so much about do I trust their quarterback and do I trust their head coach? Like that that at the end of the day is when everything is equal, That I feel like that's the only thing I can rely on, Sarah. I placed a wager a few weeks ago, and I just sort Ooh. of went with my gut at the time. It was futures bet on the Super Bowl winners, and I selected the Rams, the Bucks, and the Bills. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know. You know what? You know what? <laughs> You know what you deserve from me right now? It's just not to close out the show, not to say what's coming up next, just to walk out of this room. But I won't because I'm a professional. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.